Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Michigan Hoops finished big on Sunday by pounding Nebraska in their place, 93-57. At this point, heading into Big Ten tournament play this week, it looks like we've made it to the big dance. We won't know for sure, though, until Sunday night. Wolverine.com editor Chris Ballas joins me this week to discuss Michigan basketball and much more on our game day segment. First, some news and notes to get us started. Senior Derek Walton Jr. highlights a trio of Wolverines honored Monday with his all-Big Ten second-team selection by the Big Ten coaches and media. Sophomore Mo Wagner earned honorable mention from both groups, while senior Zach Irvin earned honorable mention in the media voting, as well as the Big Ten's Sportsmanship Award for U of M. Walton, who was a preseason all-Big Ten selection, is averaging 14.5 points, 4.7 rebounds, and 4.5 assists in his final season with the Wolverines. He has produced 24 double-figure scoring games, including nine games with 20-plus points. The NFL Combine has wrapped up, and from what we hear, most of our 14 invitees made favorable impressions during the four-day event. Taco Charlton is zooming up the first-round board. Jabril Peppers ran a sizzling 4.640, which was the fastest time posted by a linebacker or a free safety at the Combine. It should be interesting to watch on draft day just how many of the 14 hear their name called. This week, the Big Ten tournament gets underway. And it's not in Indianapolis this year. The Big Ten will be fighting it out in our nation's capital for the first time. On Thursday, 8th-seeded Michigan will play number 9-seed Illinois. While most observers say Michigan is in, that's not the case for the Fighting Illini. They need a run in the tournament if they want to have any chance of making the big dance. It's March, and it doesn't get much better than this if you're a Hoops fan. Editor Chris Ballas from TheWolverine.com joins me next here on The Michigan Man, Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Here with us on our game day segment this week to talk Michigan hoops and a lot of other stuff is Wolverine.com editor Chris Ballas. Chris, great to have you back with us this week. Mike, always a pleasure. Thanks. Well, a busy time, as we've uh, said on the Michigan athletics scene right now. Let's start with hoops, Chris. Uh, Sunday night, Michigan at Nebraska, I should say, hitting on all cylinders. And I think as we approach the Big Ten tournament this week, we can take a breath and say, we're off the bubble, aren't we? Yeah, there's no question about it. They could lose to Illinois, and uh, some people are saying, well, I hope they do lose to Illinois and get off that 8-9 line in the NCAA tournament. There are no guarantees when it comes to seeding. So uh, Derek Walton told John Beeline right after the, the Nebraska game, he said, you know what, we're going to win this tournament. He said, let's go. It's It's been too long since Michigan's won it since the first year. you got to go all the way back to, I think, 1997-98, it must have been, and, uh, when Robert Trailer and those guys won the inaugural tournament. So uh, if you can do that, I think you have a chance to move up maybe even to a seventh seed in the NCAA tournament. The way this team is playing with the advanced metrics right now, uh, this is not a team that anybody wants to play, in my opinion, in the postseason. So, but this is really just another great game for Michigan in the last eight games are six and two should probably be seven and one if they'd gotten a better whistle at Minnesota 
and uh, had the heartbreaker at Northwestern. But uh, I think uh, the computers and everybody else would say right now that Michigan is probably the second-best team in the Big Ten, the way they're playing. It's unfortunate that they didn't play better early in the year, and they probably could have contended for a Big Ten title, Mike. But the way they're playing right now, if they can do some damage in the tournament, uh, it's going to be a, a pretty good end of the season. And the way they're playing now, I think when you look back, if we, if we think back to January, a lot of Michigan fans uh, had given up on the team. But as we know, Coach John Beeline and the guys did not give up. He knew it was going to take some time uh, with the team. But again, as we've seen so often in his career, not only at Michigan, Coach B puts the pieces together in the back half of the season just about every year, Chris. Yeah, he does. And you look at last year, they made a run and had some big wins down the stretch. And that, again, was a, was an injury-riddled team. If you look at the last two seasons before this one, I, I'm not in the business of making excuses for people, but when you look around the country and what Michigan lost, not only after the NCAA Elite Eight team, the Big Ten Championship team, that following year they lost not only the guys to the pros, uh, they lost Mitch McGarry, who probably would have come back if not for the marijuana suspension. If he comes back, maybe Glenn Robinson comes back. That's his best friend. Then you lose Karis LeVert and you lose Derek Walton for half the year. The following year you lose Karis Levert, you still make the tournament. So people saying this is a program on the decline, I'd have to disagree with that. You know, after that bad year a couple years ago that where you lost everybody, uh, you come back and make the tournament last year. This year you take another step, and uh, and it's looking pretty good for next year if they find a point guard. So, but again, you and I talked about this recently when they started one and six several years ago, and when Darius Morris was a sophomore, Zach Novak was on the team that went up to Michigan State and won in East Lansing for the first time in forever, and they made a run. That proved to me that John Beeline's teams, uh, you know what, no matter what's going on, they don't throw in the towel, and uh, they continue to play hard, and they are able to put games behind them. So, to his credit, this team has done the same. I had written a column, Mike, that uh, after the Ohio State game, that these guys needed to man up and really start to play, because it was really disappointing what they had shown in that game to lose to a rival like that at home but now uh, they've really come on strong you got to give them credit for the way they've rebounded all big 10 team announced uh monday night uh derek walton jr second team and then we had uh, zach irvin and mo wagner uh, honorable mention so very nice for uh, coach beeline and the guys but let's talk about the one of those players in particular the straw that stirs the drink for michigan derek walton jr uh, his career, as we know, up and down, a lot of injuries involved there, a lot of things we probably don't know about. But he is playing at such a very elite level right now, isn't he, Chris? He really is, and I thought he deserved first team. Of course, I'm probably a little biased, but and you look at what Nate Mason did at Minnesota, you look at Melo Trimble, he probably clinched his bid with that three-pointer against Michigan State to win the game over the weekend. That probably vaulted him ahead of uh, Derek Walton, and, uh, and, it's, and it's deserved. You could have gone either way on that one, but uh, I give him credit, too. And it's funny because uh, one of the Michigan reporters asked Matt Painter, Purdue's coach, after the game, after Michigan trounced Purdue up here, they said, you know, what do you think has been holding him back? And he said, well, it's the injuries. He says, I don't think it's anything to do with development. You look at him a couple years ago, and he was on a a great pace before he hurt his foot. Uh, Last year, he seemed a little bit tentative. Really, halfway through this season, he remembered who he was, in my opinion, and looked like the player that we saw in in high school on the AAU circuit where he just got his confidence back. And John Beeline always talks about Going to the hole, it's not the worst thing if you get your shot blocked. Well, he seemed to treat it like it was, and he stopped challenging. But you're starting to see him do that again, wanting the ball at the end of games, and I think that's really really helped propel Michigan to, to new heights. So you're starting to see him 
and his elite passing ability. Beeline 2 said in high school, he said, this is one of the better passers in transition that I've ever seen. 16 assists the other night to beat Gary Grant's record. That should tell you something. That's going way back. Uh, 16 assists in one game against Nebraska. He is the guy right now that is going to be the catalyst for this team going forward. Everybody's obviously got to play well if they want to make a deep run in the tournament, but he's going to have to continue to play at that high level on both ends of the floor, and uh, which is what he's really started to do on the defensive end for Michigan to reach its potential. Well, this week, the Big Ten tournament coming up. Those of us uh, who are uh, tournament junkies love uh, this week, and then, of course, the NCAA getting underway in the next week. Venue shifts this year, Chris. It's going to be in D.C., the Big Ten tournament. And that's going to be interesting, but uh, Michigan is the eighth seed facing Illinois, which is the ninth seed, sort of a desperate Illinois team. I'm not sure if they're really a bubble team or if they're just not in it unless they make a big run in the Big Ten tournament. But do you like that matchup, Chris? I do, Uh, and it was interesting. Illinois really kind of sparked Michigan with a... Um, with their comment that Michigan was a white-collar team after they blew Michigan out at Illinois, probably Michigan's worst effort of the year, uh, the one game where you look at Michigan and say they really just did not show up in that game. So responded well and, and handled Illinois at home. I think Michigan went matches up extremely well. At the same time, Illinois was playing good ball before going to Rutgers and laying an egg. They really needed to win that game, though. Right now a lot of people have them among the first four teams out. Uh, which is amazing given where they were just a, a, you know six weeks ago or so where a lot of people thought there's no chance. But uh, they put it together, and you got to give John Gross credit. But uh, will we see a desperate team, or will we see a team that realizes that it lost its best chance when it went and played uh, at Rutgers and, and laid an egg there? Um, it's going to be interesting to see. I think if Michigan gets up early in this game, um, I, it'll be interesting to see how Illinois responds. I do think Michigan's a better team. I think Michigan matches up extremely well with Illinois. So I would expect Michigan to win. But, again, an 8-9 game, it's going to be a dead arena. Uh, you know, those 12 o'clock games, Mike, in those tournaments, they just people tend to show up, you know, maybe halftime or whatever and uh, and uh, don't get there early. It's going to be the same uh, on day two, really. They'd play in the noon game Friday against Purdue if they had a chance to win. So not ideal for Michigan fans. But, um, you know what, at this point, in my opinion, it's kind of gravy. Uh, Michigan's in the tournament, and uh, and conference tournaments never meant a whole lot, in my opinion. They're just kind of, you know, for more for teams that are playing to get in, like last year's Michigan team when Cam Chapman hit the three at the buzzer to beat Indiana. But uh, we'll see what happens. Um, I think they're, most teams are really more geared toward the NCAA tournament, but certainly you'd like a good showing nonetheless. Well, looking ahead to uh, the NCAA tournament, once we get past the Big Ten tournament this week, um, it's it's been just fascinating watching all these bracketologists and analysts over the last month talk about how many teams uh, are going to be in the tournament. And I was reading yesterday just the variety in where teams are going to be seated and what regions yep. they're going to be in. It just drives you nuts, apps, uh, at least me. But, yep. you know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, most of these bracketologists were saying, you know, the Big Ten's week this year maybe five teams get in maybe six but now sunday night monday espn btn are saying it's probably a good chance we're going to see seven teams do you do you think that's about right chris i do and uh you look at the bubble this year it's so soft and teams keep playing themselves out uh some teams there have been a couple that uh, that played themselves closer to the bubble vanderbilt beating florida over the weekend so but it's just such a soft bubble this year that if you look at it um just the fact that illinois 
in the discussion at eight and ten in the Big Ten. Remember last year when Michigan, uh, when some of these teams that were ten and eight were thinking, you know, oh my gosh, are, are we going to get in the tournament? Now you've got an eight and ten team that is among the last four out, according to Joe Lunardi of ESPN. So I think that's the reason why, and one of the reasons that Michigan's so safe is a the computer loves them. Uh, if you look at the advanced metrics and the teams they've blown out, you and I've talked about this too. I think Michigan's handed. Seven teams this year, their worst loss of the year, and those are some good teams. SMU, for example, is a top 15 team now. They've got four losses all year, I believe. Michigan beat them by 22. Crushed Michigan State, obviously, by 29. So beat Purdue by 12 in a game that probably shouldn't have been that close. Uh, they kind of let up on the on the gas a little bit too soon there. So, um, And they've got more top 100 wins, top 50 wins. Last year, I think it was four, uh, which is why they were in the play-in game. So that's one of the reasons that Michigan's so safe. But the Big Ten is not loaded. It's not top-heavy. But uh, as Rutgers proved, anybody can beat anybody in this conference. Rutgers almost beat Northwestern on the road. They had Wisconsin on the ropes and should have beaten them had they made some free throws down the stretch. I've never seen a more competitive Big Ten. So there aren't any bad wins, in my opinion. Um, uh, there, there can be bad losses still. If you lose to Rutgers, it still counts as a bad loss. But when you win in the Big Ten this year, you've earned it because there are so many teams, so much parity, so many teams that are so close to each other. I think Purdue, I think Michigan uh, would be the two teams right now that have the best chance to advance. Really like Purdue's team if they're playing well, if they're making shots, and if Caleb Swanigan uh, is playing the way he has all year. I still think that is the team that's got a, the best chance to go deepest in the tournament. With us on our game day segment this week, talking Michigan and Big Ten hoops, is Wolverine.com editor Chris Ballas. Chris, let's uh, switch gears if we couldn't talk about Michigan women's basketball. Great season, the best we've seen in a long time. But in the Big Ten tournament last week, uh, we fell to uh, Michigan State. Uh, but at 22-9, and nine, uh, waiting for that NCAA uh, seeding show on Monday... I would think this team is headed to the big dance, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. They're, I think they're safely in as well from everything I've read. And credit Kim Barnes or Rico. Some people said, oh, it's taking too long. But, you know, it's just like when John Beeline inherited a program there that was stagnant. Uh, it was even worse. Michigan basketball, Michigan women's basketball was at the bottom of the barrel. And they were drawing, you know, a few hundred fans for some games. Now, this year against Michigan State, I think they almost had a sellout if they didn't. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate they couldn't win that game. And that's going to be their next hurdle is to, to learn how to beat uh, their rivals, because losing to Michigan State twice like that is uh, is not what you want to see, especially in front of a big home crowd. But I remember meeting Kim when she first started at Michigan. She showed up at the Bob Eufer banquet and uh, and just had there was something about her where I'm like, okay, you know, when you talk to somebody sometimes that this person's got what it takes to be successful. Uh, I really thought she could really accomplish some things here, and uh, and she has. So, and I think she's just getting started. And you know, those programs feed off each other. They share a venue, and uh, when you get you saw it at Michigan State when Michigan men's basketball uh, helped Michigan State's women's basketball take off, and they kind of feed off each other. And you've got a fan base there that really gets into it, and and it builds the brand both ways. So. Uh, I think I'm excited to see what she can do. And you said it uh, earlier the last time we talked that this is a young team, too. There are some good young players on that team. So I think the sky's the limit going forward. I think it's going to be exciting to watch. And and I'm excited for it. You know, I'm not uh, women's basketball is not my beat. But I'll tell you what, I was tuning in this year on the Big Ten Network watching those games down the stretch. 
and it was certainly fun to watch. Yeah, good basketball, and I agree with you. I like uh, Coach Barnes of Rico, like where the program is headed. So, And it is great to see the crowds coming out. You're right, the Michigan-Michigan State game, first sellout for a women's basketball game uh, in Michigan history. But other than that game, some very, very nice crowds. Uh, so finally, uh, the women getting the attention they deserve. Yep, you got it. And uh, and they got the venue. You know, there's no reason that they can't support those teams. And uh, a lot of the young girls that like to go to those games uh, around the area, you know, and that's how you build a program. You know, you get them involved and, and you get them excited about it. And, and there were some great memories. You see all the tweets and the, the kids taking pictures and stuff like that. They've done a great job promoting the program recently, too, in my opinion. So, again, I think that thing's only going to get stronger and stronger. Well, as we've been discussing, a lot going on with basketball of course here as the tournaments get underway in March but even though it is just the first week of March Carol Hutchins and Michigan have already played 19 games Chris they are 12-6-1 and one, that weird uh, one a tie to Florida State out uh, uh, last week in California in a tournament where Florida State had to get on the plane and get back to Tallahassee so it was a 5-5 tie another reload year for Michigan softball Chris it is number 14 in the country I think they go to uh, where do they go next Evans- Evansville Kentucky or Lexington, Kentucky, Lexington. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they play Evansville. So, um, but I, I like this. I like the fact that they get started early because if you're going to compete in a cold weather climate, you got to go out and play some games and uh, and get your bats going early and get your pitching ready and and that's what they do every year. This, there's a reason that this is probably one of the best programs on campus. And Bo Schembechler used to say that Carol Hutchins is, was the best coach on. On, on campus, and it's hard to argue. What she has accomplished here uh, in a warm weather sport and a cold weather climate uh, is really probably second to none. One of the better coaching jobs in the country at any level in any sports. So it's been fun. Uh, you know, losing the Sierras, uh, you're still going to have to find some uh, some people to hit. But um, they are uh, they're off to a pretty good start, in my opinion. You know, this is not a top five team in the country right now but certainly uh, has, a, has the potential to be and to continue to improve if they can find a little bit more pitching. So um, in my opinion, uh, this thing is just going to continue to roll as long as she's here, and uh, and she's not old, and she certainly doesn't look it. She's kind of like the Red Berenson of her sport, you know. It's like she seems ageless, and you and you never expect her to retire. So uh, it's been fun to watch, and I, and I credit her Really, you know, it was always the big three. It was Michigan football, basketball, hockey. And I think a lot of people discovered in 2004 that uh, that there are other sports on campus that deserve their attention. Uh, when they won that College World Series, I think a lot of people didn't understand the sport, didn't really realize how fun it was to watch. She has uh, made that uh, a reality, and you look at the facilities over there. If you've never been to a Michigan softball game, for those people listening, you're missing out. It's uh, just a, a really a fun event, event to watch. For those of us who watch it on BTN or get out to uh, the games, Big Ten softball is outstanding right now, Chris. It is, and it's exciting. You know, it's it's a quick sport. It's not like uh, baseball. You know, a lot of people say, oh, softball, just like baseball. It really isn't because it goes so quickly, and uh, and it's exciting. Every every hit counts, you know, and, and every at-bat counts. So it's just fun to watch. And uh, and I know I've been to a lot of games over the years, uh, and that's another sport that I thought, okay, I, I would never get involved in, but uh, thanks to Coach Hutchins. One more thing to, to love about the University of Michigan and its sports programs. Well, over on the baseball side of things, Coach Bakich and, uh, and baseball team enjoyed a 7-1 and one week out in California during spring break last week playing those warm weather teams, which is always amazing to me. 8-3 and three overall, ended the trip with a win over San Diego on Sunday. 
last year. Very good year for Michigan uh, baseball, and it looks like it's going to be a very competitive year for this team in the Big Ten, Chris. Yeah, the pitching's been really good, even in the loss to UCLA out there. I think uh, an unearned run, if I'm not mistaken, uh, against the 7-3 and UCLA team, and they lost that game one to nothing. But beating USC out there, doesn't matter to me who the warm-weather climate team is. When you're playing out in California, Bo Schembechler, right, found out how hard it was to, to win out west when you're coming from, uh, coming from Michigan. Uh, I give these guys credit. Uh, really a, a great road trip, 7-1, uh, and one, I think, next they go to Nashville so uh, to play Lipscomb. Uh, but really successful and uh, and I like the pitching staff I really like coach Backich. I had a chance to meet him a couple years ago and talk to him and uh, and I'm hoping that they'll get some crowds out there as well this year because this is going to be a team to watch so a lot of fun uh, you know it's been a long long time since Michigan has been dominant in the sport you have to go back to Barry Larkin and those guys uh, you know when they were able to compete with the southern schools and the and the west coast schools on the national level some people think it'll never happen but if it's able to I think coach back is just the guy I think he's been recruiting at a pretty high level and again just another fun team to watch well let's talk about hockey for a minute Chris very disappointing season for Michigan hockey fans uh they split with Wisconsin uh, over the weekend, one Friday night, lost on Saturday night. Uh, Minnesota, excuse me. Yeah. At home this weekend to Penn State to wrap up the regular season. It's just been a long and tough season for Coach Berenson in Michigan hockey, Chris. It has, and it's uh, disappointing. This will probably be Reds last year from what we're hearing. And uh, we heard that Ward Manuel, Michigan's athletic director, had asked him to stay on for another year and give him time. Um, probably going to be Mel Pearson from what, we, what we've been hearing as the successor, um, not set in stone. But, uh, you know, I give Red credit for, for coming back and especially losing all that talent. But, you know, if he'd gotten some of those guys back that went pro, uh, this team would have been uh, right up there competing with, with the best of the best in the Big Ten. But really disappointing to see them uh, at the bottom there. You've got... Uh, Programs like Penn State, give them credit for what they've accomplished, but in my opinion, that shouldn't happen. Uh, where Penn State comes up and, and has a better program than Michigan when they're in the early stages of their program at this level. So uh, I don't think it'll be lo- take long for them to rebuild as long as they get the right guy in here. They've got too many, too many advantages uh, with so much talent around here, USA Hockey and everything else. I think um, it's only a matter of time, but it's very clear this year that while they play hard, they just don't have the horses, even in the game that they – they beat Minnesota. Minnesota looked like target practice at times. So when your goalie has to stand on his head to give you a chance to win every night, uh, obviously doesn't bode well. So uh, maybe they could make a run in the tournament. That'd be great. Um, it'd be fun to see them uh, to do that and, and send right out the right way. But without question, uh, they've got uh, they've got a rebuild coming up, and it's going to be. It's got to get back to where it was because Michigan hockey's been so fun to watch over the last 30 years here uh, under Coach Berenson, and uh, too great an environment to not have a great team in that building. No, I agree with you. And this weekend uh, with Penn State in town, hope we get a big crowd out there and send Brett out with a, a nice ovation. I'm sure people have the idea, even though there's been nothing officially mentioned, that uh, this is probably yeah. it for Red. Yeah, it seems like it, and uh, and I agree with you. I hope they do, and uh, that guy deserves a statue. Uh, what he's given to the University of Michigan and what he's meant to the University of Michigan, not just hockey, but uh, to the school and to the athletics department, uh, really. The guy deserves a statue out there, and he's somebody that we'll be talking about here uh, for the next several years. Yeah, amen to that. Well, the NFL Combine was in the uh, the news over the weekend end of last week, Chris. Fourteen Michigan Wolverines, as we know, uh, were invited to the camp. And from what we read and hear, a pretty good camp showing for most of the guys, uh, especially 
uh, Taco Charlton, though. Yeah, what a stud he's turned out to be. And, and he's reminiscent of Frank Clark. I remember Will Heininger, Michigan's defensive lineman, telling me when Frank first got here as a freshman, he said, that kid is an athletic freak. He says when he learns to become a football player, that kid is going to be an NFL guy. And uh, sure enough, he had 10 sacks this year. You know, he has, he started to turn that raw talent into football ability, and that's what you saw from Taco Charlton. By the end of the year, he's one of the dominant defensive ends in college football. I think he's a first-round pick at this point, and, uh, and deservedly so. This is a guy who's going to play a lot of years in the pros. And to watch him mature and, uh, and what he's become, you know, from just – being more than a pass rusher to being a complete player. We knew that he would put up good numbers. Uh, he's interviewed very well from what we understand. So uh, great to see for him because uh, really has come a long way. So he's not the only one either. Ben Gideon had a really good camp. I think he put up 225, if I'm not mistaken, 27 times. I'm not sure what it was, but uh, good numbers. He ran well, extremely well as well. I think he was uh, in some of the splits. He was first among linebackers, inside linebackers. So I think uh, there's a chance he gets drafted too. I think they could challenge for that all-time. Uh, I think Ohio State holds the record with 12. I think they could challenge for that. Uh, but it's good to see. This was a great class, and you've got to give Brady Hoke, Michigan's former former coach, credit for bringing a lot of these guys in. Obviously, you've got to give Jim Harbaugh and the staff uh, credit for developing them. But those guys were well prepared, and I can't think of one guy with the exception of maybe Channing Stribling and his five five presses of 225 who who hurt himself. So, uh, and again, Stribling's a, such a great cover corner that he's going to find his way into an NFL roster as well. So, really nice showing for the Michigan guys. And Jabril Peppers ran a 446 at the combine, fastest time for. Or a, a linebacker or a free safety uh, when it was all said and done. But uh, interesting listening to the analysts and the draft gurus talk about uh, Jabril seeing him slip maybe to the uh, the bottom of the first round or into the second, saying maybe he played too many positions in college. And I, I haven't really read a good reason as to why he's dropping, but you know, what do you think that is, Chris? I think just because they don't know who he is yet. Uh, is he a safety? He hasn't played enough of it to... You know, he got burned in coverage at times. There's no question about it. You'd like to see him there more consistently and being able to prove himself in that respect because I think he is a safety at the next level, and I think most people think he is. Uh, Troy Palomalu type is what we hear. So, uh, But I think one of those good teams, you know, you, you think about him going to a team like the Patriots and, and what a steal that would be uh, to get him uh, late because uh, they would know what to do with him. That's a great coaching staff. If he goes somewhere uh, that has a good coaching staff, uh, he's, they're going to be getting a great football player no matter where they play him. Some guys are just that, and, and he's a special talent. Uh, he was a, a once-in-a-ten-year talent here in Ann Arbor, in my opinion. And uh, But again, he played linebacker out of necessity, and if he'd played safety, we'd have a better idea, and I think he probably would have been uh, a higher draft pick, probably a, a surefire top 15 guy. But this is a guy that's going to play a long time in the league. He's going to be a 10-year guy. I don't have any question about it, and he's going to do great things. Could be a return man, um, uh, could play you know, on offense at times. He's, I think he would have been a special talent at running back. So just a special kid uh, who's going to do some big things at the next level, no matter who takes him. Well, we've had uh, sort of had a break from Michigan football since uh, National Signing Day, but that's going to change uh, when spring practice gets underway, I believe, on March 24th. And unlike last year, Chris, um, a lot of job openings on this team, aren't there? There are, especially on defense. I talked to somebody yesterday, though, that said, somebody close to it, too, Mike, so this is not hyperbole, who said this defense has a chance to be 
better than last year's. It's going to be faster. And I said, come on, you're losing your entire secondary, you know, your first four defensive linemen, all but one linebacker. And they said, trust me, there's so much talent here uh, and so many hungry guys who want to get out there and play. And that's really the key to this thing. Guys that were heavily recruited that have come here that don't want to sit the bench. So I look at a guy like Devin Bush who excelled on special teams and really excelled when he had an opportunity to play some linebacker. Uh, I think he's going to be a special talent. Uh, they really like their young defensive backs, and now there's not a lot of depth there, But and you're going to have to have some guys step up. Levert Hill at corner, for example, and you got to find a couple of safeties. But um, you've got a lot of guys, uh, a lot of young guys and a lot of young talent there vying for, for spots. And to me it comes down to the offensive line and a couple of tackles. I don't know that Grant Newsom. I know he's not going to play in the spring. People are saying it's 50-50 that he returns in the fall. Maybe he redshirts coming off that traumatic knee injury from last year. But if you can get uh, Nolan Elysio to play at a high level and Jawan Bushel-Beatty and those guys stay healthy, I think that interior line has a chance to be even better than last year. So, uh, And then the wide receivers. Uh, you and I have talked about that. Who's going to step up? Who's going to emerge? Uh, but, again, a lot of talent there, a lot of good young talent. And uh, it just needs – those guys need to really progress at a quick level to replace guys like Amara Darbo and J.U. Chesson. But a lot of job openings, a lot of good young talent. It's going to be fun to see. It's always fun to see that new blood in the spring, Mike. Can't wait to see some of those new guys and how they pan out. I can't wait either. And when you, you mentioned uh, talking about that defense, that it's amazing to think that it could be better than last year's defense. That's hard to believe, eventually. Uh, anyway. Yeah, I'll believe it when I see it, right? <laughs> because well, those guys yeah. were so good last year. That's so. what I love about this time of year and into the summer. We're yep. undefeated, and we're going to be better than we were last year. But, hey, the coaches, they have a, a, a good grip on what's going on. It's what I, watching Jim Harbaugh I find very interesting, uh, and when I've seen him speak this winter, he's got that smile when he talks about this year's team. I mean, we're all worried, or I'm worried, that we've lost so much talent, but... He's got that sort of a grin when talking about this team, almost like, I know something you guys don't. We have a lot of talent. It's unproven talent, but that's what's yep. going to be so very exciting and competitive about this spring, Chris. Yeah, and it, I'm going to show my age here, but it reminds me of the 1984 Michigan team to 1985 when Bo Schembechler, you couldn't wipe the grin off his face in the spring. Nobody gave that team a chance coming off a 6-6 a six and six year, but he understood that he had a lot of talent there, a lot of good, young, hungry talent, and those guys, uh, that senior class was not going to let them fail again. That team came back and finished number two in the nation. You see, uh, I, I think that's a pretty good comparison. You see, like you said, that grin on Jim Harbaugh's face where he understands that he's got a good, lot of good young talent there. He's got an experienced pro, a quarterback coming back, too. That's another thing. Uh, this will be the first time that he's had a guy returning at the quarterback position, assuming Spate wins the job over a Brandon Peters who is going to get his opportunity. This is a kid who did not come here to sit the bench. He's got all the tools, and a lot of people think he's going to be outstanding down the road. So uh, he's going to be pushed. But to have that experience coming back and a leader like that, I give Wilton Spate credit. Uh, I went on record as, to, as saying I didn't think he would ever play a meaningful down at Michigan. Uh, just goes to show you what I know. But uh, <laughs> give the kid credit for how hard he worked and uh, really was the guy last year that kept those guys all together who really earned the respect of those guys in that locker room. So that cannot be uh, overstated either, how much he will mean to this team coming back next year and the leadership that he'll provide. Well, a final thought, Chris. Uh, we know the team uh, is making the trip to Rome in April, um, but 
I haven't seen anything official yet. Is there going to be a scrimmage or a spring game uh, back here at the big house? Yep, just last night, as a matter of fact, they um, they released the schedule, the spring schedule. You can find it on the Wolverine.com. And April 15th will be a spring scrimmage before they go for their last three practices to Rome. So the Michigan fans will have an opportunity to see this team. Uh, we've even heard that they might open up a practice, so which is great. I think it's great for the fans and a way to keep them involved. So, And again, that'll be a lot of people's their first glimpse at a lot of these new new talented kids some of the freshmen the early enrollees so i can't wait to see it either so um but i think it's a great opportunity for these kids to study abroad when they go to rome and uh they, i think they've set the schedule for the first four or five years they want to go to new zealand they want to go to japan i forget what the other ones are but i think it's just uh we talk about thinking outside the box mike this guy jim harbaugh you, you shut down satellite camps he finds another way to keep Michigan ahead of the competition and doing things that nobody else is doing to keep this program interesting. When you are in the mix there and in the mud and getting dirty with these programs that are willing to do things that you're not when it comes to recruiting, you've got to think outside the box. I think Jim Harbaugh is a genius in that respect and doing a great job. No, I absolutely agree. It makes me uh, laugh because uh, last year at this time, we're watching the NCAA uh, gang come in and uh, say, okay, here's what we're going to do to the satellite camps. And then Coach Harbaugh comes out with uh, the trip to Rome, and he's talking about Israel. He's talking about those other destinations that uh, you mentioned. And I think this is a great idea for academics, for getting out and seeing the world, part of a college experience for these young men. I think it's incredible. But now I'm just waiting to see what is the NCAA going to do about this? I don't think they can do anything about it because uh, it's open to all students and all. Uh, that's the power of the Michigan network. Michigan's got that ability where they've got these study abroad programs where what are they going to say? Oh, you can't broaden your horizons and, and study over there. I don't think they have the ability to do that. And uh, that's part of the genius of this. They've really researched it. So, uh, And I think it's great. You know, you, It's a recruiting pitch, and some kids can say, well, you know, do I really want to go to Rome or whatever. Some 17-year-olds don't understand, like us veterans, Mike, that what what an opportunity this is, but their parents certainly do. And if you're sitting there making a pitch in the living room and saying, you know what, your kid's going to be able to go over and study in Japan. or And it's not just Rome. These kids can go, from what I understand, they get to pick some of their destinations where they get to go to study for a month. So I, I think it's great. I don't think there's a downside to it. A lot of people are worried, well, what are they going to do if they're not working out? I can promise you that these kids are not going to be sitting there eating pizza and getting fat somewhere. <laughs> they're going to be continuing to work out. And at the same time, they're going to have experience that they're going to be able to talk about for the rest of their lives. Absolutely. Well, we'll have a lot more to talk about once practice gets underway. But until then, as we've discussed in this last half hour, there's a lot going on to keep our attention on the Michigan athletics scene in the coming weeks. So my guest today on our game day segment has been the editor of the Wolverine.com, Chris Ballas. Chris, as always, uh, it's been a pleasure, and we thank you for your time and look forward to the next visit. My pleasure, Mike. Thanks a lot. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On quick hits today, women's basketball had three players scoring double figures, but Michigan State took the lead in the second quarter and never looked back to earn a 74-64 win in the last Big Ten Tournament quarterfinal game Friday night at Bankers Life Fieldhouse in Indianapolis. 
Freshman Kizre Gondrzyk led all scorers with 23 points, just two off her career high. The Big Ten all-freshman team performer had 10 field goals, including three threes, while also grabbing five boards and dishing out three assists. Junior Caitlin Flaherty added 18 points and three assists, while sophomore Hallie Tome scored 16 points and almost made it to a double-double with nine rebounds. Junior Jillian Dunstan pulled down 12 boards, while sophomore Nicole Munger had five points and seven rebounds. Michigan ends the season with a record of 22-9, and the regular season that is. Uh, they will find out their NCAA tournament fate during the NCAA selection show next Monday, March 13th at 7 p.m. ESPN will broadcast the hour-long show. Hockey got a second-period goal from junior Tony Calderon and 33 saves from freshman goaltender Hayden Levine, but ultimately settled for a weekend split with fifth-ranked Minnesota falling 4-1 to on Saturday at Yost Ice Arena. Michigan won the Friday night series opener 5-3. to The Wolverines will close out the regular season at home this weekend, welcoming Penn State to Yost Ice Arena for a two-game set. Puck drop is set for 7.30 p.m. for both games. It's going to be senior night. The Wolverines will close out the regular season at home, and this might be the last time we will see the legendary Red Berenson behind the bench for Michigan. Speculation is that sometime in April he will step down, so we'll just have to wait and see what transpires over the next couple of weeks. The number 14-ranked University of Michigan softball team wrapped up its annual appearance at the Judy Garman Classic with its most dominant win of the tournament, cruising to a 13-5 five-inning decision over Long Beach State on Saturday afternoon at CSU Fullerton's Anderson Family Field. Michigan registered 12 hits and 8 walks to match its season-high run total and plated multiple runs in three of five innings to secure its fifth run-rule victory of the season. Four Wolverines tallied two hits, notably junior-designated player Amanda Vargas and senior third baseman Lindsey Montemorano, who also posted an RBI apiece. 12-6-1 Michigan will wrap up their non-conference tournament schedule this weekend, heading south to Lexington, Kentucky, for the Kentucky Invitational on Saturday and Sunday at John Crop Stadium. Michigan will face Evansville at 10 a.m. and Dayton noon on Saturday and conclude play against Kent State at noon and host Kentucky 2 p.m. on Sunday. Dominant pitching performances from juniors Michael Hendrickson and Alec Renard gave the University of Michigan baseball team the momentum it needed to close out its spring break trip with a 3-1 victory over San Diego on Sunday afternoon inside Dodger Stadium. Through nine days in California, Michigan finished its spring break with a 7-1 record and is now 9-3 on the season. Michigan will return to play on Friday when they travel to Lipscomb for their final non-conference road series of the regular season. First pitch for Friday's game is set for 4 p.m. Central Standard Time in Nashville, Tennessee. Like us on Facebook at The Michigan Man and follow us on Twitter also at The Michigan Man. Our free show app is available in the Google Play and iTunes stores, and we can also be heard on iHeartRadio. Thanks again to Wolverine.com editor Chris Ballas for being my guest today. Next week, we'll have an old friend on the show, Michael Spath, who hosts Inside the Huddle Monday through Friday on WTKA Radio in Ann Arbor, so I hope you'll join us for that. It's going to be a busy week with the Big Ten tournament getting underway, so enjoy, and let's hope Coach B and the boys finish strong. When we meet again next Monday, we'll already know where and when we'll be playing in the first round of the NCAA tournament. That will do it for another week. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until next time, have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Take care 
And as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!